Hello and welcome to Sound Salad, where we toss around all things spoken and all things heard. Brought to you by Audiobooks New Zealand, New Zealand's leading producer of audio content. We hope that you will have a pleasant journey, and if we can add to your comfort in any way, please do not hesitate to press the call bell. Kia ora everybody and welcome back to another episode of Sound Salad. I am here today with our very first author, actually, so we're going to have our first author chat, and I'm very excited to be joined by the wonderful Pip Mackay. She is the author of a recent publication, The Telling Time. How are you doing, Pip? All good, Romy. (laughs) Good, I'm glad. We're not coming to you today from the wardrobe. We are in uh, lovely Avondale at the Crescendo Trust Studios, who are lovely sort of Sponsors, so to speak, patrons of, of our wee podcast as we're going forward. So would you like to just start off, I suppose, by telling us a little bit about your journey as a writer, how you got into this thing? Yeah, sure, Romy. Cool. For me, I never really had a bucket list dream to write a book, but I have always loved writing. And for fun, about seven years ago, 2014, I signed up for a introductory creative writing course through the Creative Hub in Auckland. Went along and um, whereas most other people had an idea for this novel they'd been burning to write, I didn't. But our tutor, John Craner, kindly said, look, go back over your life story and there's usually something when you walk yourself through that that will resonate and might give some inspiration for a story. So from there, I sort of tracked my way back through and I thought back to, well, I came to 1989 when I was a young 20-something-year-old and I had been on my first backpacking trip and, like many young women, um, put myself in a fairly dangerous situation when I crossed into Macedonia. And I took that and I took... Just my fascination with Yugoslavia as a country in general, how Dubrovnik just absolutely captured my heart, how later, a couple of years later, the Civil War broke out and I realised just sort of the danger that we'd sort of been in at that time going through that country. And then when I came back to New Zealand and my kids were at school, I just got to know a whole lot of people from the Dalmatian community and was just really interested in the immigrant story. And from there, I just sort of thought, okay, how can I make a novel out of this? I thought that I would, I liked the idea of, a, of somebody coming to the country with a secret. So I thought about a young woman called Gabriella, who might come from the island of Cortula uh, to New Zealand. Uh, she would be exiled by her family, so she would have the secret. And that the reason that her New Zealand-born daughter would want to return uh, would be to uncover her mother's secret and that's where that links into that 1989 sort of you know time frame. So I ended up with two time frames in the novel, the late 1950s and the 1980s and two main protagonists, Gabriella and her daughter Louisa. Mm. Mm. So I guess that was the starting point and that was obviously seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. then obviously I sort of, you know, got writing mm-hmm. and I got through to about three years sort of in and I just thought I need more help with the crafting. Yeah. 
And it was at that point that I applied to, and I just feel I was really lucky to get accepted into the Auckland University Masters of Creative Writing mm-hmm. under Dr. Paula Morris. At, and there were 12 of us in the year group. And it was then that I kind of really then worked out how this novel could be told. And unfortunately, uh, where I'd started the novel was actually uh, Louise's story, so in that 1989 period. And when Paula Morris said to me, Pip, it's Gabriella's story that has to be told, I then had to very quickly get um, writing for my master's thesis yeah. to sort of craft that work to be able to even hand in by the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So from so it sort of started, it started with Louise's story and, and the reason she was going and unpick, uncover this family secret. Yeah. But what actually came out through the writing process was just this bigger story about yeah. Gabriella, this young woman from Cortula who was just determined to sort of get out and escape. And yeah, how she how she feared when she came to New Zealand, like many other young women at that time, mm. and had to fit into a community and, and what have you. And yeah. yeah, so that's, yeah, that's sort of how. And then from, I mean, it wasn't finished even after the master's year. At that stage, I had about 70,000 words, and the novel's about 100,000, yeah. which is a pretty standard sort of novel. But it was my youngest son, Hamish, who said to me, Mum, you need a deadline for this book. And God bless a deadline. God eh? bless a deadline. <laughs> and so he he said to me, Why don't you get why don't you get the first draft? Why don't you get it finished by my birthday, which was in June of two thousand and eighteen. So by no word of a lie, on that on that afternoon, on his birthday, I finished I wrote out the last word and I thought, Oh my God, I have a story. I thought I was finished then, but of course there, that was the first draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and it's yeah. Finally, finally, it got published in 2020 last year in August. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, how many drafts did you go through? Well, I guess if you look at that, what I call that first draft, there were many, many, many rewrites yeah. and what have you. Before, I guess, I think that's probably the hardest thing to actually get to the point where you've got a story that's got the right sort of story arc, Mm. you've got the characters there that you've spent time with them. The second and the third drafts for me were the real polishing stages. And, yeah, yeah, I was lucky actually in 2018 and and linking in with that deadline to pick up a Society of Authors uh, Complete Manuscript Award. And so I sent my first draft off and thought they were, you know, that possibly they would say it's ready to go. Mm. And it came back and Barbara Else, who was my assessor from Dunedin, and she said, look, Pip, your description's great, the storyline is good and it's one that will appeal, but what you need to time, spend time with now is your characters. And so mm. from really from 2018 and through to 2019, another couple of drafts, and I just sat with the characters and got to know Gabriella and Louisa and the other cast of characters that are there and put she said to me it's like what you're doing is that you're at the stage where you're just you've got your characters but you're pushing them around the page so they're going through all the motions they're they're doing what you want them to do for the story to happen but they don't feel like they've got clothes on they don't feel like they're real characters and so it meant really sitting and thinking about, you know, what was going on in their heads? Why were they reacting in the way that they did? What would they say? 
how would they be if they walked in the room, you know, mm. that sort of thing. So for me, that was just, oh, it was just the best. It was such a cool stage to feel those characters come to life and as if they were sitting beside me. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that they, they feel like real people to me now. Yeah, totally. Mm. So if we sort of were to suggest perhaps that Louisa's sort of storyline throughout is somewhat reminiscent of perhaps your voice and your journey at that time throughout the 80s and things, where's Gabriella's voice come from? <laughs> and in terms of actually writing something that's quite remarkably accurate about people migrating here in that time, I mean, the simplicity of not even having a phone, you know, mm. and being able to try and find find your way around and navigate your way as a young woman, least of all as a young woman in this brand new place. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm quite interested because obviously they're both very different voices yeah, in the they book. Are. They are very different tonally and everything. And you the know. pace, yeah, the pace of the story is, yeah. is very different, which I was wanting to do to kind of try and reflect the the different time frames. I mean, Gabriella yeah. came out in the late 50s, so yeah. I was trying to represent that. Um, but to go back to your question about her voice, I mentioned that I had known lots of Delhi families. Yeah. And one family in particular, a lady called um, Tonka Marinovich, she told me a lot about her story. And I suppose I, I based it on her time frame of coming mm. and some of the things she told me about. And also I just sort of spoke widely to a number of people at the Delhi Club, reading a lot, reading a lot of Croatian literature and what have you, just to sort of hear the voice, hear the stories, the type of things that they did. I learned about, for example, the proxy brides and how there were a number of women that came out on a on you know, on a boat holding a photograph of a guy that they'd been promised to. So I thought that was just interesting. So there were lots of things like that. The type of work they did, this is based on a, I mean, I, I, I knew a lot about the gum diggers and, of course, the winemakers, but yeah. I hadn't realised that the stonemasons were such an important group within the Delhi community. Mm. And when I, th- the, I mean, there's a whole lot of things that link together, but because I think I had Dubrovnik in my head, but it felt too big a place, I wanted Gabriella to come from an island, and so I hadn't actually been to Korchula, but good old Google did, uh, sort of looked at that and I could see that the architecture was similar, a lot of the, the limestone, the Italian sort of architecture. And yeah. so it was perfect for then that Cortula would be a family where there would be these stonemasons that came yeah. out, as they did in the, in the 1920s, yeah. and then did things like built our Tamaki seawall or sort of helped rebuild Napier after the earthquake yeah. and things like that. So there were lots of things that I learned because of writing the book that I didn't know previously. I remember travelling or doing a tour up north many years ago and being quite overwhelmed and really like pleasantly surprised by this huge presence of this this massive part of our history that I had absolutely no idea about, you know, yeah. because it wasn't taught to me in high school, to, no. to be honest. It just wasn't, you know. No. And that was something else that I kind of, you know, was quite interested with with you in regards to even selecting this as a setting, you know. Obviously, you travelled there as a younger woman, but Mm. was there more other than just the experience of 
having been there or the magic that you felt there or not? Was there more, you know, that sort of added to why it was that, that you were so drawn to that part of the world? I think it was... I think it was mainly that magic that I was there. I think back in back in 1989, and as a 20-something woman that had never left New Zealand before, yeah. as was common at that time for yeah. you know for people our you know my age and mm. and sort of older, it was like the first country that was that felt really different to me. I'd gone through Canada and and America and yeah. England, and I'd landed in Greece. And Greece kind of did it, but once I got into Yugoslavia, Tito, um, a socialist government, um, it was po- political stuff that I hadn't really heard about either. Yeah, and I think that just grabbed my it did just grab my attention. And I think the disparity between the at the country at the time there was a lot of inflation because of the the sort of the civil unrest that was starting to brew. Dubrovnik before Game of Thrones was ever even a thing. It was just the most yeah. amazing place to visit. It did just spark my attention, and I think that's when when John Cranor said, "Look, step back." That was the thing that had that I felt that I might be able to sort of communicate by through writing, yeah, and kind of transfer that feeling of that of when you're backpacking and as a young person and. As I said, the sort of the decisions that you make that it can impact, you know, sort of later mm. on, and then I think mixed in was that with that was just I've always had an interest in immigrant stories, and yeah. it's been interesting with this book that a lot of people, uh, whether they were say Dutch or Italian or whatever groups that came here, particularly in that time frame, and I think that the Dutch were were sort of you know like the Yugoslavs for sort of that sure. you know that sort of time frame coming but people have have enjoyed relating back to that immigrant experience and Mm. yeah and at those I think people stories just interest me and that's what I wanted to write yeah yeah Mm. well you've done so beautifully I loved it I had to narrate this book actually for Blind Low Vision NZ but I'm really really glad that that I did there were some interesting themes that granted could be relatively triggering Mm -hmm. you know but as a young woman being able to read the story of a younger woman than myself and an older woman than myself mm-hmm. and sit in that little interstice mm. and really sort of reflect on what on earth would I have done, you know? Mm. And there's space for you to be able to do that, particularly as as a young woman reading it. You know, I'm sure that there are a million and one men that will also <laughs> Resonate. You will, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I have had men, you know, quite a few men read it and, yeah. and really enjoy it. And sometimes it's for just remembering that travelling thing. Sometimes it's just the, the love of, of visiting Croatia or those Croatian islands and, and what have you. Sometimes it's remembering a community that you've been part of in Auckland, particularly, say, West Auckland, mm. um, and knowing those families that's just brought back memories. Sometimes it's just thinking about your grandparents, you know, yeah. and things you've heard about. Yeah. yeah. It's been it's been one of the, the most fabulous things is actually just hearing back from people mm. who I don't know who have read the book and have enjoyed it for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just, I, I guess the other thing I'd like to say just on that sort of whole sort of coming of age thing, my own kids are around that age and I'm just, mm. I'm just really, it's just co- conscious looking back of, you can look back on things and think, oh, 
you know, if I made that decision, what might have happened sort of thing. And I think it is a time in your life that you you, you feel sort of a, a bit gung-ho and, mm. and nothing's going to happen to me. And, yeah, and you can make decisions and it can play out quite differently. So, yeah. yeah, I just thought it was relevant for a number of age groups. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Yeah. There was something else I, I wanted to um, draw all of our attention to as well, um, just uh, among some other accolades, so to speak. Next to the uh, New Zealand Society of Authors Complete Manuscript Assessment Award that you managed to achieve for the book, what I love is that you also won the 2021st Pages Prize, which is judged by an international panel and Sebastian Falk's OBE, just casually, as well. And you've also referenced Paula Morris's, you know, already... you. You've had some pretty epic eyes on on this beast, you know, which is which is amazing. But yeah. this first pages prize, would you like to speak about yeah. that at all? You know, and also perhaps we'll get to hear the first page too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the first pages prize. It was just a competition that I heard about at the end of two thousand and nineteen, and I thought, right, that that'll be a good one to enter. Yeah completely forgot all about it and very luckily I got a reminder note from a friend who said look the deadline has been extended make sure you know you get your entry in. Gotta love a deadline. Gotta love a deadline so honestly I chucked this entry in it was like serendipity because I heard the result when I was you know went to publish it and how the prize works is that you have to submit the first 1200 words or it's like the first sort of you know five or six pages of the Sure. And I think it's a really unique prize because it's looking for that hook. It's looking yeah. to for that, that hook that's going to sort of really attract the reader. And the fact that Sebastian Fawkes was the kind of the top yeah. judge who got to read my words is just, you know, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I liked, I guess for me, um, hearing him say why he chose the entry because he obviously had only read 1200 words that's about half a chapter Mm. and he said that he likes to be transported somewhere different when he starts a book and he he felt with this book that I just threw him completely into a different setting a sardine factory on Mm -hmm. Cortula Mm -hmm. and he also said that he felt with my characters that there was a story to go on and mm. I thought, well, that's good, Sebastian, because actually there's a whole novel there now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And he and he actually said, for all I know, you know, none of these books will go on to be novels. But of course, I was at that stage where it was a complete novel, and and I guess that's that that must be an advantage because you you can obviously are showing then that your characters are there from the start, and you have the space to put a bunch of yeah. substantial little clues about them, eh? Yeah, you can yeah the story is yeah. already there. And those first pages are there to, to tempt and to hook the reader into something bigger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like as I said before, my first pages that I wrote are actually now, they now sit halfway through the novel. And right. whereas, of course, these pages came out, uh, I wrote these when I was in my master's year at university. So right. it's, and I think that's another thing that when, you, when you're starting to write, you sometimes put a lot of emphasis on how you should start. I would just say just dive in at a yeah. point where it feels good because those first pages are going to you know, chop and change yeah. around. And even for these ones, 
they actually moved from being at the front of the novel to two thirds of the way through the novel. It just yeah really yeah I can't imagine that I know I can't imagine that starting anywhere else. No, well I initially I had the story starting with Gabriella arriving in New Zealand. I never wanted to come here. It wasn't my choice. Wow. Okay. Whereas then, and it just bugged me. And when I sent in for that prize, I thought, I just want to show something of Gabriella mm, before yeah, she yeah. comes to New Zealand. I want to show her in her home setting. Mm. And when I thought about it, the, where she, that, that place of work, which she detested so much, yeah. was the start. And it allowed me to introduce the reader to her family, to her family dynamics, yeah. her main friends. I'm, I'm flabbergasted, yeah. to be honest, because it... it the way it starts feels like the the perfect snapshot mm. into into what you know invariably if you know you've mm. read the back notes or anything you know yeah is no longer going to be a reality probably for any other chapter in the book no. really because no. from then on the whole world changes and yeah and, and it, everything you know yeah she moves. She yeah. moves. You know, and physically leaving. Yeah, but it was, but it didn't become obvious until yeah. e- it was really at that point that it didn't become obvious when I was actually submitting for that prize. Yeah. Wow. And it just—I think that's just another thing where time can be a really good thing with writing a novel because you can, you do, you know, things do change and mm. whether it's because you get to know your character better. But that was just always something that bugged me and so I pulled that chapter forward. Yeah. And, yeah, and when it was, and, and it kind of, yeah, it solidified its place, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I love that. It's a, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of cling to the, the sort of thematic notion of time now really quickly just before we hear our first page because I'm adamant that we will. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I really loved about just when I first approached this book, to be honest, is the automatic double entendre name, the notion that the telling time as in time can be telling and what it presents to us mm-hmm. as we go through our lives and telling's use as a verb, as in it's now time to tell someone something. Mm. It's kind of like a, a, a mini sort of pricey of of some of the major themes in the book, yeah. in a way. Do, is, there, is there anything that you can tell us about how you came to the title? Yeah, we had to come up with a title in our master's <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah, right. For our okay. manuscript. Necessity. <laughs> and I like alliteration, and I also like, as you say, the, the, the sort of the background thing to that, that, that it is, the novel is set in telling times. Yeah. I think another thing that I did sort of, politically come across just women's role in the 1950s and yeah. how that was really telling for women mm. and and sort of all the the sort of advertising and things that were around it but of course the the telling you know the um, Yugoslavia going into civil unrest and what yeah. have you so Gabriella's situation you know coming exiled from her family being sent away and having to sort of work for a a family here that she come into sponsors that she didn't know, but at the heart of the book is is secrets and secrets that demand to be told. Sort of, you know, thirty years after the fact, like yeah. they're not, they cannot, they cannot sort of, you know, lay under, underground. And yeah. so, yeah, it just seemed to sum up, yeah, a lot of that thing. But to be honest, when I thought of it, I said to Paula Morris, and she said, "Yeah, that's a great title," and I was kind of ah. Oh, don't know. And actually, a lot of people said, oh, I don't know about that title. Don't yeah. know. Don't know if it's a good title. 
And I really, and I, to be honest, I couldn't think of anything else. And then when I put it onto the book and when we got the cover and everything done and it's ended up with a tui on the on the cover, sort yeah. of that nod to New Zealand. And I also thought birds are quite telling creatures through the times. It just, mm. it just, and when it sat on that book, it just felt right. Yeah. But I'm pleased that you picked up on my double entendre. <laughs> I lo- well, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, you'd only really probably necessarily get it after you'd finished reading the book, but yeah. you know, just only because you've drawn attention to the book art because it's beautiful. Who was it? You thanked her. Oh, yeah, my, I, I've, got a gorgeous friend, Catherine Farquhar. Right. She's an artist. Yes. She's got a studio over in Takapuna. Yep. And Catherine painted the canvas for the cover during lockdown. So it's been a real, wow. I mean, really, it's been quite a lockdown sort of story in lots yeah, of ways right. in terms of getting it published and all the rest of it. I had a photo that another friend had taken that I'd seen earlier the year before, so 2019, mm. of a tui and a persimmon tree. And I just, I looked at that, that picture and I just thought, I can see that yeah. on the cover. So I held on to this photo and when it came time to sort of think about, you know, doing the cover, I said to Catherine, look, would she be interested? She said, yeah, absolutely. And she had a great love of maps and so she's, she said, why don't we put the map of Dalmatia, yeah. Croatia, on the sort of on the background, yeah. which kind of looks like... It, you might I not have that. noticed no, that. I didn't actually. Yeah, you see, it you might it might look like sky or just a bit of land yeah, that's or something like that. But it's actually the Croatian coast, and just above the the is the island of Korčula. Really, that yeah. is so, so cool. Yeah, and I mean, you can imagine that with a project like that, what could have gone wrong? I mean, Catherine had never yeah. painted a canvas to go on a book cover, sure. so she just sort of kind of worked it out yeah. and yeah. I just let her go and didn't have any idea how it was going to come out but oh, honestly when she had done it and she finished it just towards the end of the first lockdown mm. got a got a photographer to come in to, we went to his studio to get it photographed it was H Ackerman and he's a professional photographer he took the photo it just looked gorgeous and I, honestly I'm just so stunned with the cover it's just the I think it's. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, as a piece of art, and I've obviously got the artwork on my wall yeah. now. So you know, beautiful. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And lots of people have said to me actually how much they love birds. Yeah. Which you know, like I hadn't realised. So it's quite an appealing thing. It's quite a different cover, I yeah, think. Yeah, totally. Um, for a for a book, and it's been it's definitely been one that booksellers have said to me. Oh my God, the cover's beautiful. Mm. It's just so it makes it, I think, an appealing cover. You're not meant to, you know, sort of judge a book by its cover, but I think sometimes it helps to have something that's appealing, especially when there's so. I mean, you know, not not knowing that that was the Croatian coastline. You know, I Mm. I I I love unearthing little little creative things like that where you Mm. go, I didn't even realise, but now that I see that, that just gives me even more added respect for sort of. The multifaceted, multi-layered artistry that goes into these things that upon mm. just being a reader, you don't actually yeah. really get the full understanding of, you know, until yeah. someone actually talks to you about what went into it. What went into you it, know? yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think about the hours of research that I did for this novel. It's just incredible. Or, 
and also, you know, like the the other stories that I wrote as part of it that didn't make it into the novel. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. yeah. like there's lots of that sort of thing as well, which I'm hoping are actually going to help me with my next book. Very nice. <laughs> because I'd really like to fin- I'd really like to sort of tell Louise's story, which is After. where the novels, yeah, yeah, where the novel started. So yeah, cool. So. Yeah, lots of, lots of, I mean, six years running. I know, but I'm just like, I mean, that's, I've had a solo in my head for seven years as well. You know, like we, 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 the the number of half-finished documents and things that seem to be on most um, writers, bibliophiles, creators, makers, laptops is just a travesty, you know? It, <laughs> is. it is a total travesty. <laughs> if only we had more time in the day. If only we had more time. Oh, it'll get done. It'll get done, you know? Even if it does take six years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that was, I guess, uh, for me, that was probably three years full-time writing. Yes. And, you know, the first the first three years was sort of, you know, not dabbling, but because I got a, a fair chunk of the book done. But I it took me a while to feel like I was actually going to do this thing. And then I think I got so far through, I thought, there is no way to. I'm not finishing yeah, this absolutely. now. You know, I've just invested too much time. Yeah. And also people started asking me, so when is it going to be finished? That's always a good kick up the bum, eh? When yeah. someone's like, oh, you've been talking about that for a number of years. Yeah. What's, um, yeah. what's yeah. going on with that? Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, sh- w- without further ado, shall we bounce on to here, our page one? You can finish wherever you feel like page one okay. sort of finishes for you, I think. Let's okay. leave it like that. All right. Okay. <laughs> So we're on the island of Korchula. It's 1958, and Gabriella is at work. Sardines. We reeked of them. Me and all the other women working at the Yardrunker fish factory. Their stinking oil greased up our hair and our skin, and their flesh got wedged under our fingernails. I could taste them at the back of my throat. We sat jam-packed beside the conveyor belts or on long tables, trussed up in our matching white uniforms and headscarves, preparing the sardines, sorting them and stuffing them into cans. There was no escape and complaining made no difference. I would be trapped there until I got married and even then it wasn't a guaranteed thing. Some women never escaped. My dream was to be a teacher but Tata said working at the factory was more important because I was doing my bit for the economy. Valaluka and our family fishing business relied on me. Tata and Yossip played their part by hauling in the fish on Cresamira, and I stuffed them into cans. My 18th birthday in January marked 18 months at that prison. Most of the local girls did their time, but that was no consolation. Men rule the roost in Yugoslavia. Girls are second best, and throughout my childhood I'd been conditioned not to challenge this order. All day I'd been stuck with two older girls who chatted between themselves with no interest in talking to me. We had no sooner emptied one tray of the lower-grade sardine chunks when someone loaded another pile on. Our job was to gather up the offcuts and pack them neatly around the higher-grade fillets in the cans trundling past. The offcuts made them look full without it being the first thing you noticed. Our supervisor told us the job required judgment and dexterity, but to me, it required the patience of a saint. My head felt crammed with the clamour of machines and the din bouncing off the walls and low ceilings rattled inside me. At times, I felt it all might escape as a scream. When the conveyor belts ground to a halt, I joined Nada and we merged in with a trail of women, 
All in our regulation flat shoes, all trudging across the wet concrete floor towards the cloakroom. The men in their rubber gumboots and overpants were already wielding their hoses, directing the debris to the sides in preparation for the night shift. I worried they might collect us up as well. Thank God that's over, I said. Where's Antitza? Had to go early, said Nada, scrubbing her hands at the basin. She gave me a knowing look. Her mama was in charge of little Lucy. I peered in the mirror at my washed-out face and greasy hair. Life was so unfair. That Marin better marry her soon, I said. What a toss-up, babies or sardines. It was hard keeping the sarcasm from my voice, but there was no point complaining to Nada. I wished she would take a few more risks, open herself up more, but neither of us wanted to be like Antitza. There were downsides to taking a rebellious nature too far. Mm, it's so great hearing that again after having read it before. You just kind of go, there is a seed of almost every sort of theme, really, that gets explored in that first small little, little chunk. chunk. That's that's crazy. To <laughs> I love this stuff. Learning it is so good. Uh, is the... Female relationships, the the depth of analysis that we go through as as young women in comparing ourselves to other women, the finding home, finding well, f- finding belonging perhaps more than a sense of home, even growing up, the normal rites of passage, the limiting rites of passage for the female to male role, the past traumas, the emotional maturity that's shown by young people in those times, you know, Mm. I think is really kind of wonderfully and astutely captured in that, in that beginning, you know, even like by, well, just by having something as simple and sort of naive almost as saying life's so unfair. I mean, it's, it's a real simple profundity really, you Mm. know, but it's, it's that, that Mm. in a way almost as that sort of crux that follows these, these women Mm. through, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I love, I, I do, I do, I do love all of this sort of stuff. It's very zhuzhi, it's very zhuzhi. In terms of the intergenerational trauma and the next generation picking up the kind of hangover effect of their parents or grandparents not having been able to fully be honest or open with what they were going through perhaps in, in their lifetime as, as younger people or something, you know, is there, what was that process like, I suppose, sort of writing a kind of, Writing that intergenerational thing, I mean, it's a, that, that's a hard cookie to crumble, you yeah. know? I guess I had, I suppose, my own experience, like how I had felt about my own mother. And I remember at the time thinking, oh, she would just never have experienced anything like this. Or, really? So, yeah, I did. I, I actually, as a, as, as, a, as a 20-something, I, I probably didn't give her the respect merit, really, that was, was perhaps due for what she herself had gone through. And I, I, think, I, I think possibly my own, I've got boys, three boys, two of them have read the novel, one hasn't yet. Big smack. Interesting. <laughs> but I think um, it, it sort of opened up conversations with them as well. You know, and I think with Louisa, I think she suspected her mother's secret was something pretty banal that because of the time and I think she and I think once she through the book 
that secret is obviously uncovered, and I think it's that that feeling that feeling of respect or the knowledge that by sharing secrets or mm. things of our past, how that can enrich a relationship. Because I think there's a lot of that in the intergenerational thing that sometimes if you don't push, you don't get the benefit of knowing that person as well as you might. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I guess I was taking it from. My yeah, my view is that like where I am as a mother with kids of that age, but also mm. remembering back and thinking about my own mum now, sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. So I think there's a yeah, there's a lot just within that theme, you know, yeah. by itself. Huge, so Lots much to explore, so, so much reflection, yeah. and necessary reflection mm. as well. It seems when it comes to writing in these two very different times, mm. you know. And about yeah, these it was fun though. It was fun to go back. And explore. I wasn't born in the in the fifties, but to explore what it would be like at that time, and so that that did involve me going back to Women's Weekly magazines yeah. or you know things that were written, yep. looking at the advertising and things like that, looking at photos, speaking to mum and dad about that sort of time, yeah. you know, and what they did, and letting your imagination. That was the fun part. I think possibly when I started with the Louisa story because I was relying on travel journals mm. and what have you and my own experiences. Although I would like to say the book isn't autobiographical. It was sort of taking an experience that and I just, you know, knew was, was something that was quite common. Yeah. So but using I think it was once I actually used my you know, had to use your my imagination, mm. that was also just you know, great fun. It's it's very liberating. Yeah, totally. It's yeah, a fun thing to do. Um, but it does it does take time. Well, at least for me, it did. It's not a tiny little novella. So you know, it's <laughs> it's a considerable novel. Um, <laughs> moving on to the actual sort of tangible role of being an author. What was the what was the process of getting your book published? And then mm. we can talk about what it was like going through the audiobook process, which is a completely different thing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the actual process of publication, you know, you have to pick a font and all of that. I don't yeah. know, all of that yeah. stuff. All of that sort yeah. of thing. Well, I mean, I have to thank COVID and in, in weird ways for forcing the decision on me that I would self publish this book. I had imagined that I would send it through or go through the traditional um, channels. That was what I had thought. And yeah. at the start of 2020, I had started sending it out, but I knew that the process was going to take at least 18 months to two years before I'd see the yeah. book. And to be honest, when we went into that lockdown in March, I and when COVID struck, I, I seriously thought that we were all going to die. And I thought, yeah. I've spent six years on this book. I want to see it in print. And so I actually then thought, look, what's involved with trying to do it myself. I knew yeah. I had a good product. I just thought, look, it's I'll, I'll give it a go. Mm. And fortunately, the Your Books team in Wellington were still going despite COVID. They were working from home. Yeah. Um, they said to me, provided we can get the printing press up and running, you can have a book by the end of June. I thought, oh, my God, you know. Gosh. That's a, you know. And so then uh, everything sort of, steamrolled. I used, um, as I said, Catherine did the cover mm. art. I got her on that job. Um, I'm lucky I've got a gorgeous niece in Wellington who is a designer and did all the design work on the cover. Cool. The Your Books team then took that design and used it for the setup of the fonts and things going yeah. through. Hearing, of course, that I'd won that prize helped in terms of the whole PR sort of side of it. Yeah, I sure. did employ a PR agent and Lighthouse PR, and they 
were great in terms of sort of getting the book in front of radio stations yeah. and newspapers and and what have you, magazines. And so there was a big rush of stuff coming out around sort of July, August. Um, it released in August. And I think the other the other thing about this book that that prize really influenced, and po- possibly my connections through the university and what have you, was being picked up by Bateman's Books to distribute it. Mm-hmm. And so that meant that it was in the bookstores around New Zealand. Yeah, and right. so it was there and and that as it turned out was was just was great. I'd already started actually a social media sort of program for the book. I'd set yep. up an author page in anticipation of publishing in October the previous year. So I'd sort of had 6 months sort of with an author page and an Instagram page and what have you. So I decided on that that forum that I would just sort of take people along with me on the journey. Yeah. I didn't know how long it was going to take at that stage. I mm. was it could it could have taken two years. Yeah. But in fact it was sort of just under a year by the time I had this book. And I think with the impetus of that prize mm. and that social media sort of following yeah, gathering. Like campaigning it, for yourself yeah, really. Yeah, it just it just became part of it. And it didn't feel well, it certainly wasn't something that felt natural to me to begin with. But by the end, I actually enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed mm. sharing the yeah. journey, sharing the the highs and the lows along the way. That that was motivating in itself, and it kind of kept me on my toes to keep things happening. Yes, social media can be like mini deadlines in a yeah. way. Hey. And I mean, even even things like I was meant to have my launch party mm. in August, and of course. Auckland went into its second lockdown, yeah, which yeah. prevented that. But by that stage, I was so much into this sort of social media gig that I thought, oh, hell, I'll just do a live stream, you know, launch. Yeah, great. Oh, my God. You know, technical, you know, technical difficulties and all the rest. But, you know, it was a buzz. And <laughs> yeah, I think, I you know, like just that sort of thing, it just, it was just, it's just part of the journey of this book that I never expected yeah. would happen. And, you know, in the, in the book then spent uh, nine weeks on the top 10 New Zealand fiction list, mm. which is just incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I was, and, and then sort of from that, I was at the Auckland Writers Festival, um, you know, that's mm-hmm. just been, and I thought to myself, here I am standing up, you know, doing this, you know, like presenting to this audience at the festival. Who are you, girl? <laughs> <laughs> it's just Could been you so have cool. thought of it a year it's ago? It's just been so cool. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I guess a, a little, another little thing I'll, I'll mention, which is a bit odd for this book, in that it's only been put out in print. So at the moment, it's yeah. only been available in New Zealand. So that's my next step. I've actually just uploaded it onto Vellum. So it's going Brilliant. to be able to go up on um, ebook and Amazon and what have you. And hopefully, you know, an audio book and everything in due, to, in due course. So, yeah. Awesome. So just there's lots. There's, it's the book that keeps on giving. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. I mean, I was, I was going to ask you that, actually, from the, you know, the next sort of, the next steps. I know uh-huh. that you, you did mention that there were some, sequ- like some sections of this book yeah. in terms of your writing that didn't make it mm. to the final cut, shall we say, mm. you know, and actually feeling as though you've got closure over the story, I suppose, yeah. is going to require another project, isn't it? Do you yeah, think? Yeah, it is. And I have, yeah. I have started, and I think it's, uh, I think the book lends itself. I'm, I'm probably not one that really wants to think about a whole series in this, yeah. but I think a sister book, 
like so uh, the two book sort of thing. So this this book Gabriella's story took over. Yeah. But I think Louise still has a story to tell and and I and I guess that's where it started, you know, like I thought about her and and I would Louisa would have to deal with going back into Croatia with yes. the war as it was as it was sort of coming up and dealing with what had happened to her and yeah. also I think she'll be she's a lawyer. Mm, and yeah, she's pretty right. inquisitive. I think she will be absolutely determined to sort of, you know, find out more about what happened to her mother and that yeah. secret to track down the people involved with that. And so I think there's, and I think London in the 90s, pretty cool setting. That's a spot and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just think there's, it's, it would be a completely different kind of book. Sure. Um, but it would still, I think, carry the trademarks of what people have enjoyed with this of being like a real a story where people can really sort of get to the heart of the characters and feel like they're sort of you know moving through with them and and caring about what happens to them yeah so lots of people have said oh oh I just didn't want it to finish and but I think you know I I think it had to finish at that at the point that it did but I think there's still a story to go on yeah yeah so that just means actually putting the bum on the seat and you know again. getting going again. So, yeah, right. But yeah, I'm ready. I'm sort of you know I, I'm getting the ebook up. And that's the next step, and then I'm kind of ready to hunker down for winter. And hopefully, it won't take as long as what it has this time. You know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Another another kind of process in. Eh? I mean, do you think knowing what you know now, obviously you've mm-hmm. gone through a six year process with one project that's massive with all of the knowledge and all of the advice and opinions and everything and Paula's words and Mm. Sebastian Paula's words you know like (laughs) all of that how do you think all of that knowledge and I think also I'll add to that the added confidence now of knowing that you can be that woman or that you can stand up in front of those people and know what it is that you're talking about because you do how do you think that that will impact or or alter or anything with your process this time? Will it will it will it be a similar sort of thing? Do you reckon? Or I think it's scary because no, really, you wonder, yeah. In okay. some ways, I think could I do it again? Of course, mm. I can. Of course, I can. But I guess the there is that thing that that you think: Am I still? You know, am I still being an imposter? You know, how, did that yeah, just totally. happen through? Yeah. You know, and was this just a story that that had to be told and and you were so in, in, embedded or you were so, what's the word? Um, I'm the author here. <laughs> you were so glued to it. Well, yeah, I don't know, what is that? You know. Something like that. And yeah. it just, the story really grabbed me and yeah. it wouldn't let me go. And that was part of the reason what, you know, for that six-year process. And I think, I just hope that this next story be the same way. I, I, I'm confident that it will. But it's that thing, I think it's like anything, getting into something and getting yourself far enough in that it matters. Yeah. You know, at the moment, um, story is sort of there, but I haven't completely invested in it. Mm. And I think once you do that, then it doesn't matter how long it takes or how long you have to sit there or how yeah. many late nights. It's that passion for the yeah. story. And then I'm hoping it'll be the same as this one, that it just has to sort of, you know, mm. has to come out. Yeah, yeah totally. But there's that, there's that bedding in process, which you know is just damn hard. And it's just, yeah. and you do you do start writing. And when you when you first sort of start putting the words down, they don't look right. And they need a lot of shuffling around. Yeah. Or, and so it, 
it just it just takes time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you you sort of just have to be okay with that process really, yeah. eh? As 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 uncomfortable I think as that can be mm. for a lot of us, you know, any any creative process is going to be a bit messy, yeah. you know, and I think, I think it's tricky. It's really hard to be okay with that yeah. a lot of the time. I know it is, you and know? I think when you yeah, because when you've got a finished product and then you're starting again with yeah. the you know sort of the crappy stuff that needs to you know you just need to get out, but. Yeah. I just have to go by my own advice, I think, and that is of, you know, just picking something that really, you know, interests you about the story Mm. and just chucking yourself into it and just writing. And I think it's just getting words down. And once you've got words down, then you've got something to mould and and to work with. Mm. Mm. There was a really sort of compelling relationship in, in the book that I really resonated with, and I think any young woman who's ever travelled anywhere will probably resonate this w- w- with this, especially if they've gone with a friend. Mm. Bex, yes. Mm. That's a really sort of unfinished but complex, intricate, amazing little nugget of relationship to try and get so much in these two young people who don't actually spend a heck of a lot of time together in the book, you know, mm. necessarily. There's so much that happens just by way of you seeing this one girl's experience of travel, her options, her choices, her backstory through those options and choices as well, mm. versus Louisa and both of them having to come to really quite massively mature places within themselves, so much so to register that they can't necessarily be traveling in the same path anymore you know I as soon as you say London in the 90s because I know that Bex went to London in the story (laughs) and I shouldn't stay there but you know there's there's so many little nuggets like I said of real just potency that Mm. you go oh that's so messy you know those complex like those really complex things are so Mm. you know like the and and they're to really kind of capture that and to capture the humanity in that because they were both a bit wrong, you know, like and being able to capture that really is really awesome to, mm. to read, you know, yeah. and to sort of, I don't know, to just wallow around in the sort of fallibility mm. of us as young people. As young people you know? or just in relationships generally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, there's just so much of that, isn't there, where you, you know, there's just stuff that happens and, yeah. and things just go often in the wrong direction and sometimes it's hard to pick up those pieces again but you know that could well be uh, another theme in, in this next book that could be picked up it's yeah a, yeah definitely I think it's probably unfinished business yeah oh I love it <laughs> I love it uh right well so obviously we do know that there is an audiobook around for the blind low vision community but we might be working towards an audiobook as well, so that people can potentially listen. Otherwise, how else can our listeners find out about you? How else can they sort of follow and document your work? I know you've got Instagram and website and things. Yeah, we- well, the, the website is just www.pjmackayauthor.com and there's lots of information on there and background about me and you're able to purchase the book there, obviously. My Facebook page is PJ Mackay. NZ author and Instagram is PJ underscore Mackay underscore author. Yeah. Perfect. So I think if you just Google PJ Mackay or the telling time, those sort of things will come up. It'll come up. I'll keep all of those in the episode notes anyway, so that if anybody would like to find out how they can access any more work or any more information, 
then you should be able to find them just below. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Pip. It's so lovely to be able to speak with you. <laughs> and yay, we have an author on the show. Yay. How exciting. <laughs> well, hopefully we get to speak with you again soon about the process of your second book. Yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Now that could be a deadline. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Romy Hooper. You've been listening to Sound Salad for all things spoken and all things heard. To hear more Sound Salad episodes, go to www.soundsalad.co.nz. This has been brought to you by my gold sponsor, Audiobooks NZ. Check out their library at www.audiobooksnz.co.nz.